Across the Pond Golf Podcast, a discussion about performance and enjoyment in golf and life. Welcome to episode six of Across the Pond Golf Podcast. James and Chris with you today. Not going to lie to anyone that does listen or watch, it's a bit of a struggle. So uh, go easy on us. But uh, yeah, here we go. James, well, what's... Yeah, just, to, just to let everyone know, this is our fourth attempt at, <laughs> at recording just to get past the introduction. So Chris is in good form today. Sweating and... Just struggling to speak. That's fine. Honestly, that's me on a good day anyway. So yeah, this this is just a true true reflection of who you are. Yeah, that's and, uh, and what you're about. So yeah, what's cracking? Well, I, we definitely wanted to get into a few things that we've picked up on in you know a month and a half of doing this, and I think we've both well, we both can say that we've learned quite a bit, and want to go over a little bit of that and maybe touching into some new topics that we we definitely have talked on the side about. So I think first and foremost, James, what have you picked up on in, you know, five episodes of doing this? I think it's very interesting that we've got, we've had some incredible guests uh, who are all very knowledgeable and yet they've all kind of got something different to say, you know, as far as what they think is, is useful for performance and, and what they think is is important for people, which which is great because I, I think it just shows us that there isn't one way to to success, there isn't one way to improving. It, there's a lot that goes into it, and and that's certainly I think something that I'm picking up on is that there is no mold. You, you sort of have to create your own. Yeah, and I think really for me the biggest thing is is to create your own feedback system so that you've got good statistical data, firm firm feedback that would indicate where you're strong, where you're weak and where you need to work and then get to work. And then by, by continually using that feedback, you can then say, you can see if you're improving or not and you can try something and you can say, okay, that didn't work. I can clearly see it didn't work. Let's try this and then do it again and do it again and do it again. And it's a slow road to improvement. Unfortunately, you, you can improve fast, of course, but in order to gain immense skill in anything, then I think you just have to do it day by day and just keep doing the work and keep learning. I think that's the, the biggest thing that I've taken from it all. Yeah, I like that. I it is an interesting like area where you know you try things and you don't want to like get in like that hamster wheel where you know you feel like you're always spinning or kind of like tires in the mud thing where like you can't ever get traction and I think like you definitely want to give some things that you do try enough time to like kind of see how they come through not like going to the range one day and hitting five balls with one feeling and saying that didn't work and then we're going to try something else and Nope, that didn't, that that was good. And we talked about this on the side, I think it was a couple of weeks ago, where inevitably in any sport, you are going to have good and you're going to have bad. And Paul touched upon this with his, you know, you know, 50 average, 25 good, 25 bad. But 
if you're you know somewhat athletic or whatever in a you know, on a range and you're going to try and feel one thing or another thing, you're going to hit some good shots. And we definitely feel as though back in college for us, like we would play around with feelings all the time. And well, it's college, it's like yeah, in, in professional golf. Yeah. yeah. But we, we definitely like where you kind of mix around and feel like you found it or whatever. And we, we talked about that one with Paul, but no matter what, you're going to hit some good shots, regardless of what you're trying to achieve, whatever idea you're going to like run with. You're going to have to find some good ones, but yeah, I do think you want to see what works for you the best over a course of a period of time. And that just gets right back to tracking what you are, like where you're at and what you kind of do well and be able to look back and find base, like a base ground of where you start with something and how to continuously slowly get better. Yeah. And I think a couple of, of points to sort of expand on that. If we use the other sports analogy, um, let's say like football, for example, or, or soccer or whatever you want to call it. It's how often do you see teams? How about the Wolves? How about the Wolves? Well, let's just talk about the Wolves. Let's talk <laughs> about them. You know, um, three, four weeks ago, the manager was going to be sacked. You know, everyone, oh, everyone yeah. was, was crying out for, for change and the results weren't going our way. And you and I spoke about this at depth and you say, but if you break down a 90-minute football match, there are, there are so many things out of your control and there are so many things that are subject to luck anyway. And, and like a shot that takes a bit of a different bobble or doesn't take a deflection or, or one thing or another, and it all leads to three points or no points, manager keeps his job, manager gets sacked. And I think that we're all so quick to abandon ship when yeah. things start to get tough, but it's just, it's the same in business. It's the same in sports. It's the same in anything that you're going to have peaks and you're going to have troughs, but you want the overall trend to be trending. Oh, up. And, and yeah. that's, that's all you can ask for, but you have to have a big enough data sample to be able to see that. Uh, and what do you then, think? I mean, as far as data sampling, like, you know me, like I love my spreadsheets. So, but that's not for everyone. Um, what would you like for yourself? How would you track your data? Well, to be honest, I think I think when we spoke with Sam and and he was on about just building the habit, just start small with it. You know, just if you start out by keeping you know fairways, greens, puts, okay, then that's it's it's the most primitive form of, of you know statistical tracking. But you can you can do it that way and start that way just to build a habit. For me. Every single shot that I hit gets recorded uh, on the golf course. So I will always play. If I play a round of golf, let's say I'll go and play nine holes just to practice. I will record the shots. And and I think it's important to go out with a, a specific goal in mind where like one day you might want to work on your wedges. So you would put most of your focus on your wedge game. You would drop maybe two or three balls on every hole, depending on the golf course and obviously whether it's busy or not. Obviously, you don't want to be holding uh, groups up behind you. But if, if you can, then just throw some balls down 125 yards and in and just throw balls down, record the yardage, record the club and record the proximity. And then over time, you can, you can build a, a, a little database of your average proximity to the hole. 
and you can see if your wedge game is getting better or not in the real world because it's one thing doing it on a on a launch monitor with a trap man or, or a foresight or whatever where it's sort of very very low risk kind of low pressure and you're on a flat surface it's just it's good but it's not the same as being on a golf course so if you can do it on the course i think that's the best thing uh, for you and just just figure out your own way of, of keeping your data as long as you have a consistent system then you can see trends can't you you know you can see if you're getting better or worse and and then once you know that you can then break it down further and figure out what it is you need to work on yeah no it's 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 tricky because I know for you, like with both of us, we can play a fair bit of golf on our own. We don't really mind and going out on the golf course and working on some stuff. You know, I, th I think for, for a lot of people, like, you know, whether it's your average player that's a 10 to 20 handicap or, or whatever, even like some low handicaps, like they're playing with people a lot. So they don't get the opportunity to say, like drop down the balls and whatnot. I mean, you still can, but a lot of people, they enjoy like getting out and having the game and having fun with yeah. friends and whatnot. So a little bit different but yeah i think definitely if you have an opportunity to just track okay you missed this putt it's an eight foot putt you missed it okay and just keep it going all the way throughout the round of where you make and you miss from where you hit the greens from you're going to figure out pretty quickly what areas of the game i know for me recently like when i've played some new golf courses and like even though the tee shot might be a little bit intimidating and it's like it's very easy for your mind to be like, okay, like lay back a little bit, just get the ball and play. Yeah, yeah. But just like my basically six iron through four iron is just such a weakness for me that it's actually better served to get the ball further down and take on some risk so that you can put it in an area where it's like, okay, as soon as it's kind of 115 in, it's one of those strengths in my game. So it's like get that ball as far down the hole when you can. Yeah, don't get me wrong. If there's out of bounds and hazards and you're struggling with your tee, tee game, then yeah, like you have to adjust there. But that definitely, I, I picked up on that in the last couple of weeks. Yeah, that's just sure. cool. Yeah, yeah and, and but if you didn't track, you wouldn't know that. No, you just keep doing the same thing, right? Yeah. And I think that's where, maybe again, back to that hamster wheel, mud in the tire analogy. If you don't track, you're going to kind of keep doing that. You're going to keep playing with, different ideas and getting similar results because you don't know where you are. And it's exactly what Sam said to us in last week's episode, where a lot of people are just emotionally attached to it. And that's kind of how they assess everything. And it's not data driven and it's not statistic, like a statistical, this is what I'm good. This is what I'm not good. We need to improve this or not. And you could quickly change ideas, change coaches, um, everything often and get the same result yeah i mean if you don't have any idea of, of how good you are at any given aspect of the game no coach is going to be able to help you improve because they don't know what to what to work on with you i mean you and if, if they take your word for it what do you want to work on and you're emotionally attached to something and you say oh well i'm a great putter and you hear this all the time particularly for amateurs you hear this all the time i'm a great putter and it's like okay how do you know that? Yeah. And compared to what or who? And and just that questioning of itself, all of a sudden they stop and they think, oh, well, actually, I don't know. 
but they hold a 30-foot putt six months ago, so now they think they're a great putter. And the reality is it, we're all emotion, like emotionally driven at times, uh, unchecked. And I think that can really bleed into our decision-making uh, on the golf course, in life, everywhere. Well, you remember the last time we were in Portugal and I had over co- the course of how many, like we played what, some, seven competitive rounds? Yeah. Yeah, seven, seven in 11 days, I think, something like that. Or how did we go? Did we go three, three, and three, or did we go two, three? It was, so practice round, two tournament rounds, practice round, two tournament rounds, day off, practice round, three tournaments. Seven. So yeah, I would have been over the course, and then obviously, you know, going back years for me, like, putting definitely was a strength. <laughs> was is a keyword there it's not right now but you know in the course of those seven rounds i think my overall like strokes game playing would have been like negative one and a half and there was one round in there where it was positive 6.4 and if you don't know anything about strokes gained that's like going off of like a baseline of a, a tour player the average amount of what they're going to take from like that position to the hole in strokes so Long story short, if you are basically within two on either side, like if you were two strokes game putting, you'd be incredible, like positive two. If you were negative two strokes game putting in relative terms to a PJ Tour pro, you're not good. But you can still an okay putter maybe in like all of golf, right? That's, I'm not confusing anyone. Yeah, well, you're confusing me a little bit. Um, But that's, that's just a talent of yours anyway. Uh, I think, no, again, the worst putter on tour, uh, I think you're looking at negative 1.6 or 1.5. Yeah. To keep the tour card. So I would have said after that that I'm a good putter because I had one round where I was incredible and made everything. When in reality, if you look at the course of seven rounds, it's like, no, you're not. You're in regards to a tour pro the worst right and you know amongst your peers say like uh, like you know high level amateurs or like mini tour players like you'd probably be in the middle yeah and and sort of conversely my season started off last year with a negative seven strokes cane putting and i think what did i shoot was it six over five over and i lost seven shots you know- you know, when Dave listens to this, he's going to love that. Oh, geez. yeah. I mean, he's, yeah. Love it. And I mean, because he's like in his mind for you, he's always like, yeah, he's like a tour level ball striker and his putting, he's holding a rattlesnake. <laughs> <You know? laughs> well, that day it was, it was like I was holding a bag of rattlesnakes. It was bad. <laughs> um, but yeah, it, you know, that, that was the start of the season. I thought, well, it, it can't get any worse. That's the good thing. Like it, it can't really get much worse. But after that, obviously, because I'd recorded it and I saw how bad it was, you just go, I mean, you just say, well, okay, we'll get to work. And then slowly but surely, it was like, okay, now I'm a negative one. Now I'm a zero. Now I'm a positive two, positive three, positive four. And you start to trend upwards. And again, it's not always going to keep going up. But as long as the, the trend is that way, whereas if it was an emotional thing, you'd just be like, oh, well, I'm terrible at putting and 
that's going to be really difficult to, to improve when you're that bad. But in reality, we all have terrible days. Yeah. Well, and I think on the terrible day thing, and this is an interesting thing, I recently had a really bad round where I think I was 12 over. And like, that's just like, that's as bad as it's been in a long, long time. Now, the interesting thing, kind of like that putting round, do you go back and like, just rethink everything that you're doing? No, right? Like you want to like, see how like that round in itself, like kind of affects maybe your scoring or like the putting round that you had. And it's not like you're going to change your putting coach after a round like that, or you're going to change the, dude, all of a sudden, you know, putt left hand, low belly, putt, whatever, right? Yeah. No, you want to be able to give it some time and see where things trend. And inevitably, we're going to have days that are really, really bad, like terrible. Now, how would you handle that? How would you handle like a really, really bad day? Just kind of like whatever, or, and we'll move on. What would you say? I don't think, I think old me would have been angry, probably snapped the putter and, and kind of made the decision for myself to get a new putter. Yeah. Obviously, older and let's, I'll, I'll use the term loosely, but wiser, me. I was just going to say, um, I think, again, it's all down to the, to the feedback. I understand that you have bad days. And emotionally, some days we're better than others. I mean, you know, some days you walk off the course, you've had a terrible day, but you're like, you know what? I, I accept that and, and I've, I've enjoyed it still. And, and it's just been nice to get out there and, and have a game of golf. And I've learned a lot. Other days you might come off and it's, it's the end of the world and, and you, you're going to quit because you're no good. And you'll never come back from this kind of performance. Like you just shouldn't be shooting those scores. And, and, I think that's just something that we all have to deal with on a, on a daily basis. But I think if you can just know that it's going to be okay, like, and, and that's the importance of recording the data. And what I will say is for people who, people who record it now, people who are thinking of starting to record uh, data, whether it's every shot or just during practice or whatever it is, it's easy to have a bad start or a bad day and say, well, I'm not going to use that because it, it's not good for my ego, but that's exactly the data that you need to use. That's the yeah. Same. And I, I was just going to say, I think on the flip side too, is a really important thing. Like if you are tracking and you go out and you have a day where let's say you, you know, you're a six handicap and you go out and you shoot even par, right? You know, the, the different, like, difficult thing I know over, like, Canada, the United States, the way the handicap works is it's based on, like, your better rounds. It doesn't really take into consideration your bad rounds. It's not like an average score, right? I think that's what's going on over here now. I think we've all yeah. sort of switched to the same system, yeah. So, and then, like, that's good if you're playing against your friends and whatnot so that, like, it's fair. Like, it's a fair playing field. But I don't, the one thing that's bad about it is it's not, like, a true indication of where you probably are from like an average scoring point. So if you look at it, you let's say you go out and you have like that great day, the opposite of the terrible day, right? And you start to think that that's what you kind of are. And we touched upon this in the first episode as far as expectations go. But if you feel as though you are now all of a sudden six shots better when you play your best and you that's what you expect out of yourself, that can be a dangerous road as well because you, as far as expectations and frustration goes, instantly you can get quite pissed off frustrated when you're out on a golf course and it's not going exactly the way in which you think it should be 
when in reality that was just a great round. And also, like, what, it's, again, the, the sort of anger, the disappointments, and the emotional side of it would just stem from a, a gap between what you expect or what you want and what is happening. That, that's all it is. It's like, I want to shoot a good score, but that's not happening right now, so I'm going to get angry. Uh, and the anger is kind of your reaction to to the, the difference between your, your desire and and the reality that's going on. Whereas yeah. if you just kind of... It's a tricky one, I suppose. You could look at it where you just go one shot at a time. It's a bit cliche, but I think in reality, you can only hit one shot at a time. It's, it's, uh, it's certainly true. Uh, but of course, it's, it's difficult not to know where you're at as well, as far as score goes. So it's just a, it's a tricky thing, but I think just just knowing and reminding yourself that you are going to have bad days they just they just happen and whether that's around where you feel like man I haven't really done much wrong and yet I find myself three or four over after six holes whereas quite easily you could be the opposite way where you, you sort of three or four under through six holes and you think well I haven't really hit a good shot here but I just keep getting good breaks and I've hold a couple of good puts and and you find yourself in a completely different scenario. So if you could objectify it as much as possible, as opposed to just getting emotionally invested in it, then perhaps it, it sort of lays a foundation for a, a better round of golf on a, on a more regular basis. Yeah, no, I agree with you there. And one thing we wanted to touch upon today too, like I think both of us, we, we spend quite a bit of time at, you know, whether it's listening to other podcasts, like audiobooks, reading and like learning from, like whether you want to call it success, successful individuals, um, whether they're authors, philosophers, whatever. And I feel like one of the things that we've touched upon recently is that like kind of rigidity versus like the flexibility. And it's the same thing when you're in like a golf round, right? Like you have to be able when you're out there to adapt to what the situation is when you're playing, right? And it, you know, if you say, I'm going to go out with this game plan <laughs> and all of a sudden you're nine holes in, it's not going the way and you need to switch something, you know, I'm going to go out and I need to hit 10 drivers today. <laughs> and the first three holes, it's snap book, snap book, block out of bounds. Yeah. You need to be able to, to shift. That's a, the golf version of it. So how do you, in your life, take on like structure versus being able to adapt to the situations and being fluid? Man, I, I think that's I think that's a tricky one for, for me to answer. I think that's something that I definitely am trying to work on on a, on a regular basis. What I will say is that completely unrelated to golf, but let's say that you have a day off work or a day in work. You know, your alarm goes off, you get up, you go to work and, and you're there and, and you're there to do a job. But if if let's say you're at home, you want to get stuff done, but you kind of wake up and then you sort of ease into your day. And then before you know it, you've, you've kind of gone two or three hours and you think, man, I haven't really done much. And then of course you start to think then, oh, I'm wasting my day, like this, that and the other. And now, now you don't really feel like doing anything and, and this, that and the other. So I think it's important to, to, to even just have one thing what is it I want to achieve today as your kind of 
to set your boundaries, so to speak, and then operate within those boundaries in the, in the best way, perhaps to get those results. If that makes sense. Yeah. You know, so if we, if we say you turn up to golf and you feel, you feel good, you feel rested and, and you're sort of energetic and, and you have a good warm up and you're hitting it well, well then back to expectation, you might say, well, okay, I, I want to shoot a good score. So I'm going to be a bit more aggressive. And like my game plan is to sort of attack the golf course and we'll, we'll hit some more drivers than normal because I'm, I'm hitting them well. And then you go out and you do what you've just said and you, you hit three in the trees or out of bounds or whatever it is in the first few holes. Well, if you keep doing that and you keep pulling out the driver and say, well, I'll, I'll, I'll feel good, I'll, I'll get it eventually. Yeah, you might get one eventually, but you'll be 10 over before you get there. So maybe rein it back and say, okay, well, perhaps my performance isn't matching my feeling for the day. What shot can I hit? What am I comfortable hitting? And then hit the three wood or hit the low three iron or, or whatever it is and just steady the ship a little bit. Yeah. Uh, I mean, and that's something that I think we've, we've discussed recently as well is just practicing those shots. What shots can you practice on a regular basis, get good feedback on again, I feel like we're going to, we could create a drinking game out of saying feedback and data with this podcast. Well, I like data. Um, but if you're constantly practicing that way, where you're saying, okay, what, what shots can I hit? And I know that I could put in the fairway sort of six, seven, eight out of 10 times. Then you just fall back to that. If the driver's not going well, just fall back to that and just, just steady the ship. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I agree. And dude, you know, you look at some of the players out there, we've talked about Rory a lot. How does it like, you'd want him hitting driver every time, right? Well, he's <laughs> like, going to be like, he's bad driver. He's going to be as good as anyone else's good driver, really. <laughs> yeah, like it's yeah, no, exactly. That's again getting back to like playing your for your strikes. For sure. Yeah, I think like obviously I think between like from the two like the two of us comparison, I would probably be a little bit more like structured and like having that structure. And I know that like having that on a daily basis, like feels good. It feels like you're like, for me, I know I'm always like achieving stuff. Whereas I know with you, one of the things, like you can take something very far. We call you a splurger. That's James's nickname, but like you can keep doing something and you can go for an ex- like an extended period of time. Whereas like for me, I'm a much more like, I don't know, like if I like have an attention deficit disorder, but like I need like something for a little bit of time and then that's it, right? And like it's that's probably got something to do with the excessive amounts of caffeine running through your system at any given point. Well, there's been two of these, these giant mugs. Like I don't really know like what's going to scale this, but I will scale this for someone. This is really getting uh, beyond the yeah, point. We hope you we're, we're improving your, your lives. Here. Here's your regular mug. This is the one that I've been drinking from. Yeah, I mean, that's that's a, a decent amount of coffee. Yeah, well, I like it. Anyway, so, yeah, and I think I know one of the big things in life, and I work in sales, 
I have to be able to adapt a lot of the time, but I also like to like always when I get to work, okay, what's important today? What do I need to like get done? What's like you said, what's the one thing? There's a book that I, I read years ago. It's called Organized Tomorrow Today. I can't remember the author's name, but essentially taking like the most three, the, the three most important things on a day and like getting those things done in another way. And if you don't achieve anything else throughout the day, at least kind of like what you said with the most important thing, you feel as though something's been achieved, right? Yeah. And you, again, you're just ticking something off and yeah, you kind of get that little, that little dopamine spike, I suppose you've done something. It's like, all right, now I, I feel good. You could either take it two ways. You could go, right, well, I've done something there. So I'll just jerk off the rest of the day and, and just kind of that's it. Yeah. Um, or it could propel you to, to move forwards. But I just think that, from my own personal experience recently with with i mean doing this man i mean look at you before this blog this uh this podcast you, you couldn't speak your eyes were shut it was a that's mess. normal thing for me man. welcome <laughs> and but you know for the people listening we genuinely said well if it's trash we'll we won't record it uh, or we won't post it because it's it wasn't feeling great and people are probably listening going, no, it's definitely trash. Don't, don't post it. But, you know. <laughs> Why did you guys do this? Yeah. You'll never get back in your lives. I'm sorry. But, you know, it's, it's one of those things. You know, a golf coach. I, what are the, well, the first golf coach I ever had in high school, James Fair. And he said about going out and hitting golf balls. Now, this is relative as well to, like, I think how you feel on the day where your body's at and whatnot and we can talk about like wolf recovery and stuff but like just if you're if you are thinking he always said if you're thinking about going and hitting the golf balls or going to practicing or playing and you're like ah should i go and do it like uh, like just go you know and i think they get there and then even if you just go for like 20 30 minutes you get something kind of productive it's like the same thing you you're like okay i went and did this this was good or i don't have it today you know let's hit the bricks and we'll try it again. Right. I, we had this last night with my work where we're like, should we go for dinner? Like, I don't know. Like we didn't have a great day and whatnot, but we were planning this dinner for a while and we were all kind of like, eh, whatever. And the boss just said, he's like, no, we're going. He's like, if, 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 if we get there half an hour, worst case scenario, we have quick food, we get out of there. Right. And then we end up being there for a couple hours, having some good laughs and a good chat. And I think that that's a great thing of just, even if you are in that situation where you're like, whatever, right? Just, it's, just it's, it's kind of, uh, you know, just to drop some knowledge out there and, and a little quote. Um, but like Mark Twain, uh, well, I think it was Mark Twain, but he said, yeah, you're going to scold me if this isn't right. Uh, but he said, and I quote, <laughs> I'm an old man and I have known a great many troubles. It's just most of them never happened. Well, something along those lines. Let's just let's call that a, a, a paraphrase. But I'm gonna fact check you right now. Yeah, well, you, you can check and I'll I'll expand on that. You keep you keep going. But it's it's just incredible these stories that we kind of make up in our heads. Like, oh, I don't feel right, I don't want to practice and and uh, I don't really want to go out, I don't want to do this, I don't want to do that. But and this brings me back to the point of, of boundaries and, and sort of how do you get one thing done? 
in reality, you've just got to start. Start anything. Start something. You know, if, if you're trying to write, if you're trying to, to record this, you, you smirking because I've got it wrong. No, you got it right. Oh, did I get it right? You got yeah. it right. Yeah. Yay. Ten points to As he's got like a <laughs> list of quotes behind his computer <laughs> and reading off of it. Yeah, I've got I've got them everywhere. Um but yeah, it's um I think starting kind of gives you motivation. I don't think you, you wait for motivation or inspiration or whatever it is. I think you have to start first and then it will come. Mermaid in the ocean, man. That's exactly right. Yeah. That's exactly right. It's still my favorite saying of all time. I don't know what it means. I don't even, I don't know where I was going with that one, but <laughs> uh, so yeah, but what would you what would you say as far as getting stuff done and and sort of the, the whole motivation discussion? Because it's, yeah, it's a bit of a dirty one. Yeah, I think when we talked about this, like little the little topic of rigidity and flexibility, I you know I think the thing for me, I like it's it's going to be different for everyone, but I know for me, like having like those little things I want to do every morning or at any time of the day, whatever it is, and like being able to like I like ticking things off. It feels good, and it's like you are accomplishing something. That's the same with golf, right? If you go out and you have a practice, like okay, you got forty five minutes an hour. Like, what do you want to achieve? As you said earlier. And I think, you know, having that one thing and then going from there and being a little bit flexible, it's like these conversations that we've had with people. There's little notes that we have of what we kind of generally want to get from that person, but you're going to let things go in that conversation that come up that you had no idea about, right? And it's the same as whether or not to go and go and do something or not go and do something. Once as you're there and you're trying it, you are going to learn and find out a lot more. There's one thing with, you know, hiking, where I've, I've spent a lot of time hiking in the last four years and, you know, an hour drive to the mountains, it's like, should I go? You get there and you like, you know, some of the pictures that you get to take, some of the things that you get to see with your own eyes are just incredible. It's like you, you would never have known those things. And, and you may find something out there that you, know, like, that you didn't even know existed, right? And yeah, see some- like Paul said about the journey, you know, it's, it's all kind of, kind of there like pick pick a direction and and head that way and see what comes about and keep keep your eyes open because you just do not know what you're going to encounter do you you know it's it's uh it's a crazy world and we think we're good at predicting stuff but we're crap (laughs) we're really bad yeah no that's it's true now i I, this is something as well that we've discussed at length recently you know, that's like the healthy relationship with, with something, whether it's work, golf, a relationship, anything, right? And I think like kind of to touch upon one area of that with golf, for example, we talked like a budget, right? And for you and I now working 40 hour weeks, maybe even more, right? And not having what we say had in college where, yeah, we went to class and we still had to like study and whatnot when we got home from the end of the day but we kind of had unlimited time that we want like if we wanted to we could spend at a golf course right i know for me i find it difficult only getting out and probably practicing two to three times a week and playing once a week i'd like to do it more but at the same time you know there's rent to pay you're getting your a mortgage 
coming up here in a little bit. And it's, <laughs> oh, if your missus sees that reaction, oh, God. Mm-hmm. It's, it's just too much grown-up stuff all at once, isn't it? Oh, man. But it, it's, it is interesting where, like, you know, something that I know for the two of us and a lot of people that play college golf, you know, play mini tours at like a little base level of professional golf. It's, it's a tough transition because I want to still get better. I want to do more with it, but it has to have boundaries. And that's even a great thing as far as what we talk about with healthy relationships, where are those boundaries, right? Yeah. Yeah. And and you can't, if you put everything and and you hear this nonstop with people who've got successful businesses and and successful athletes and, and one, excuse me, one thing or another, and it's all about the immense sacrifice. Now, obviously, as we know, that, that everything in life is a transaction, isn't it? Whenever you, whenever you gain something, you're giving something else up. Whether it's you get the new car, but you know, giving up all the money to get the new car, or you know, you start rock climbing, but then you spend less time with your family. Whatever it is, there's, there's a transaction. So, like you say, have the balance and be aware of, of what it is that you, you're willing to give up and don't sort of let it spiral out of control because it can. And as we know, it, it can spiral out of control quickly. And then you end up three or four years down the road and you think, oh my God, like I've, I've not done anything or I've, every single penny that I've earned has gone into these things. Every single three seconds has gone into these things, which is fine. But if it doesn't work out, which unfortunately, the the odds are slim, slimmer than slim. Yeah. You know what? What do you do then? Because it can it can get people into into a lot of trouble. And I know that in the self help world, there's all this sort of oh you've got to believe in yourselves and you've got to push yourself and and just work harder than the next guy and this that and the other. But the reality of it is. It, so much luck involved you could get a guy that works two hours a day and you work 12 hours a day and that's the guy that gets you yeah and i think that that's a great point where do you actually want this right we we talked about this two days ago and i obviously i know an individual and it works like a very important thing to them and money and having having a lot of things as far as like properties go and whatnot and it, you know in their minds like it, it requires a lot of work right in order to yep. get that now you know and it easily you can look at that and you can be like well that's what i need to do in order to have that but i think it's a very important thing to like step back and be like okay hold on a second do i want that right if, and, and all, why if, if yes why why do i want that right and is that like whatever exterior force that you're feeling towards it who knows maybe but you know, with the golf side of things, I think for both you and I, being able to ask that question to ourselves two, three years ago. Now, don't get me wrong. It's been a great two, three years. We've had awesome trips and we've met a lot of cool people. And that's part of the reason I think why we started this. We know some some really good minds and we want to share that with people and connect with new people as well. But I do think if we could have asked ourselves, you know, a while ago, hey, do I really want that? Or do I want maybe more of this, whether it's say like with the family time or whatever it could have been, right. That we feel as though we've gotten more in our lives now. 
but again, that, that brings us back to the point of, of sort of heading in a direction and keeping your eyes open because we've been fortunate enough to be around some of these great, great people who've had a massive influence on our lives. And fortunately, we, we sort of were able to see that they were pointing us in specific directions. And then, and then we kind of started reading about this thing or that thing or that thing. And it's kind of been a very slow but steady transition into saying, all right, well, well maybe it's not the playing side of it that's so attractive, but just trying to understand the, the performance side of it and, and like why things happen the way they do. Or is, are there any rules at all? Is it just kind of a, a different thing for everyone? And, and it's... It's an interesting topic in and of itself, and that's why we we kind of started this. I think is curiosity. Yeah, it's crazy. It's crazy to think that like well, you know, a game with a golf ball and a couple of sticks kind of can drive you to so much curiosity, wanting to learn and whatnot, and, and madness, and madness, and you know, I so I played on Wednesday, and the. You know, we're on, I think it was like the 15th hole at this golf course. And it's a little downhill, par four, slight dog leg, right? And uh, from the back tees, I think it was about 390. And get up on the tee, it's pretty narrow. And there's a water hazard right, trees left. And then you look down the middle and there's a tree in the middle of the fairway too. <laughs> so I'm like, all right, well, I'm going to lay back enough so I can get a ball over the tree. Obviously, if we're we're gonna to have to get over it right and we so we're walking down and playing with this older gentleman and he says to me he's like i just don't understand golf and it's like what do you mean he's like they put water everywhere they put sand traps everywhere and then you hit the ball in the fairway and you've got a bloody tree in your way and i'm like you know what i think it's that madness that drives us so much to want to just keep going and going and, and playing and 100 percent hundred percent. I mean, cause the crazy thing is you could be in the middle of the fairway with a nine iron in your hand and put it in the water. You could be in the trees with a three yard gap to go through. You've got to go over water and you can hit it to three feet and you just think, what, like, what's going on? There's no yeah. consistency with it. It's, it is just mind blowingly difficult to get your head around, isn't it? Yeah, and I think we, you know, the more that you put the ball in better positions, the more that you're going to get relatively like similar bounces and whatnot. But I think it's just a great, like the reason why it's such a great game. One, you're outside, you can socialize with people, you're competitive against yourself more than anything. And I think that that's a great lesson in itself. Like you can look at a leaderboard or you can look how you're playing against your friends. But in reality, if they're the skill level worse than yours or better than yours, you should really what's the point right but i think i think that's that's something that, that i certainly wanted to dive into today as well it is who like who is your competition yeah it's gotta be yours. i think it's gotta be yourself and i think that i do think that playing with both you know players that's a, you know worse than you or not the same skill level and better it's a good position to put yourself in on both sides of it because i think that for those lesser players when you're teaching you have an opportunity to learn some of the things and like reiterate in your mind what makes sense and what simplifies it, right? Yep. yep. I said this to you yesterday where, 
you know, my boss to me all the time says, Chris, if like, if you were going to explain this to someone that, you know, a, a child or someone that had no idea, how would you explain it to them? And you really just dumb it down, not even dumb it down, but you make it as simple as possible for that person to understand. I think that's one of the great things about playing with someone that doesn't have the same skill level because it reiterates in your mind, hold on, you don't need all these great ideas. Just simplify it, right? Yeah, what flip- can you do more often than not and, and do that? Yeah, and on the flip side, if you can play with some players that are better than you as well, you can pick up on things that they do all the time and learn from them too. But you've just got to be willing to ask the questions. I think that's yeah. key. And I think it's important as well. I mean, because that was Shad a couple of weeks ago. And he said that he quickly realised that like, putting in short game for him was, was kind of his, that was his thing. Yeah. And I mean, we saw it straight away, didn't we? And so he now kind of tailors his game to that. And that's what he focuses on. Whereas you get a guy like Bryson, who's trying to do everything he can to get more distance and, and just play with the driver everywhere. Uh, and then sort of, like say Rory, for example, I mean, that guy, he's putter. It's who knows what's going to show up on any given day. But he's that good with his, his driver that it doesn't really matter to him. You know, if he, if he has a decent putting day, then he's, he's competing. Yeah. But he, he knows but, that, so he, he plays to his strengths. Yeah, for sure. So I think, you know, for you, when you're playing as far as comparison goes and whatnot, like how are you, like with other people around you or how are you doing it? Like how are you in your mind going about it? I think that it's just important to kind of know where you're at. Like if I'm playing golf with someone who's just unbelievably good, like just tearing it to pieces and, and they're just knocking the flags out and they're six under through 10 holes or something. I think it's important to remind yourself that that, that person isn't your competition. As crazy as it sounds, like that, you know, there's a hundred and like say on any, any given day, even on the mini tours these days, you know, you, you could have 100, 120 people, but on the big tours, 150 people that are in the field. That's a lot of competition if you're constantly saying, oh, you know, I'm competing against this many guys. So I think it's important to remember that you just, you're competing against yourself, you know, sort of via the golf course. So you have to kind of say, all right, what have I got today? How am I? How am I performing today? Like whatever that guy is doing, that's on the side. That's got nothing to do with you, and it's got no bearing on 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 you at all. You you can only go out and do the best that you can on every shot, and that's that's essentially it. But it's it's really difficult to do, isn't it? Because you look at someone else and go, oh well, he's six under. Like if you're in the final group, and you know that the guy that you're playing with, you, you were tied at the start of the day. He's now three under your level par. It's easy to say, well, I'm, I'm three shots back, like I need to push. But do you? Because that guy could go triple bogey, triple bogey and drop yeah. six shots in three holes or, or two holes or whatever. But you could then push and also drop shots and then you, you don't win. Whereas just by doing nothing and just carrying on with your own game as you are and just accepting that, okay, maybe I'll just shoot level four today. Maybe you birdie the last four holes. Who knows? Yeah, it's interesting because I know from like some great player perspectives, you know, Faldo 
and a player who was head down, blinders on, just go play, don't really look at the scoreboards, just go play and like shoot your score, right? Then you got a guy like Jack. Jack. <laughs> That's a fire the character. Where are you going, Jack? <laughs> Yeah, I'm actually surprised it took six episodes to do that, but that's fine. We've done uh, that. Yeah, there you go. So we got Jack and you got Tiger. I know, you know, one of the things that Tiger said last, or sorry, in 2019 when he won at, at Augusta was, you know, being able to kind of look at the leaderboard and see where he was on the golf course and yeah. knowing that he had those holes out there in front of him and be, knowing that, hey, if I play these holes well, I'm going to probably, I'm going to be right there to win, Right. Jack said that all the time too about like looking at where he was on the leaderboard and figuring out what holes he could take advantage of going out. And, you still got to go out and do it. Right. But they were very in tune with what's going on where you have two other players that dude, it was just forget about all that. And it shows you, you can be successful in both. Absolutely. And you need to figure out which way you want to go with it. Really. There's no right or wrong way. I mean, look at Tiger at Doral. 2006, 2007, whichever one it was, where he just hit a four iron off the tee, laid up on a par four, and, and just made, took his bogey, and that was that. Because he had a two what two shot lead, three shot lead, something like that. Yeah. Um, if he wasn't looking at the leaderboard and he's saying, "Oh well, no one else is is my competition," then he might have hit driver and put it in the water and lost the tournament. You just don't know. So you, I think you have to be aware of, of your surroundings and the people around you because ultimately you are you are still competing against others. But you can't control what they do. You can only can control, to a certain extent, what you do. Yeah. And I think like if you're playing a match and you're, say, one-up, you know, your match play, like one-up, and you're on the last, and there's, you know you've got your competitor who's going first, right? And he plunks one in the pond. Well, that may now change your strategy. Like if he does off the tee where you know, okay, like a bogey probably at worst halves the hole and I win, right? And if that's, you know, that's what you're trying to do. You're still trying to, in those scenarios, you're trying to win. And even same thing, if you're one up in a stroke play event and you're on the last hole and the guy that's chasing you plunks one in the pond, same thing, a bogey probably gets the job done, right? So but that I, th- I think that, that is, you know, we've talked about this before, missing a three-foot putt on your first hole of an event and a three-foot putt on a 72nd hole of the event. And one seems a- with a lot more weight, but it still adds up to the same. And that's the interesting thing. I mean, obviously, there have been multiple uh, sort of studies done on this stuff. And I think uh, Daniel Kahneman did some, some work on this. I'm not really too clued up on it, but kind of how we... What happens at the beginning of an experience and what happens at the end drastically influence how we remember those experiences. And isn't that just the emotional thing that Sam talked about last week? That just hundred percent, hundred percent. And I will ask everyone listening to, to just think of this. Think of something that doesn't have to be golf, but we'll obviously we'll stick with golf for this for this example. But if you shoot level par. Let's say you just shoot 72. But let's say that you're, you get to the ninth hole, you pod the first eight holes, and then you go double bogey, triple bogey. You're five over, and then you birdie five 
of the last seven holes and you get back to level par. Versus you're five under par through nine holes and then you bogey five of the last seven holes and you finish level par. Like which one? Because they're both the same outcome. But you can you can almost feel the elation on the first example where you're like, what a great finish. Like I've done them really well. And then you can almost feel like the anger and the disappointment in the second one where you just oh, like, oh my God, I was 500 and I've finished level pop. It's the same outcome, but it's just how we kind of colour it in as we remember it. Yeah, and the one thing I will say about golf is, is any really any sport, but one thing I will say about golf as far as like starts and finishes go and like what's going on, I do think that if you finish strong like you should almost finish stronger typically depending on like the course and the conditions right but if everything's equal throughout the course of a round you almost should because you've got data from that day let's say you've got nine holes of kind of what's going on in your game and you should be able to have a little bit more insight into prediction of what you're going to if you're pulling the ball you're pushing the ball right your misses like you're going to have a little bit more to like base your decisions off going forward i feel like you should be able to finish a little bit stronger and like the starts may be a little bit more difficult because like, dude, when you're warming up on the range, it's a flat surface and sometimes it's sheltered. There's no wind. You're not having to like base anything off of it. You're just warming up and loosening up. Right. But then here we go. Well, we'll dive into this one a little bit. Um, Yeah. So like if you've got, let's say you got an event two weeks out, three weeks out, whatever the time frame is, what, what strategies are you employing as far as your practice goes? And even when you're playing, you know, I remember one thing that I know um, I've heard at length for like, say Jack Nicholas at, at Augusta is three months prior, he would start really working on hitting big hooks. Right. And because he was pretty much a fader 90% of the time, but he would start hitting on working on big hooks so that he had those three or four T shots. So, you know, which is a great thing. So what would you do? You've got just one event you're playing, or maybe dude, you've got five or six in a row. Chad said he's about to go eleven events in a row. Yeah, and I think I think again, it depends on the duration of your tournament golf. So, like someone like Shad, you're not really going to be going too hard before you get to that first event because you've got eleven weeks of travel and potentially four rounds plus practice rounds. It's a lot of golf. Yeah, you know, yeah. you, you could have, you could have what, 66 rounds of golf plus in 11 weeks. And given the fact that, and, and this is where we kind of go on, on sort of what's available to you as far as knowing what to do. I mean, do these, these wearables, like the whoop that we both wear, or the whoop, however you want to pronounce it. But, I mean, you know now, obviously, I haven't been able to play golf uh, with with mine on yet. But, I mean, yours, it's really thrown out some incredible data, hasn't it, as far as, you know, how much energy you're expending during a round of golf? Yeah, somewhere between twelve and 1,500 calories based off a of four-hour round of golf. So if you're going to play a tournament you're probably going to be out there for an extra 45 minutes to an hour at that heart rate level that you're at. 
And it'll surprise you like where your where your heart rate is throughout a round of golf. It's probably somewhere between 30 beats per minute more on average and can get sometimes if you're walking up hills or when you're obviously making a lot of swings and whatnot, it can get, you know, not double your, like your resting heart rate, but add about 50 beats probably to it. I don't know, man. I mean, I've I, I, I just told a complete lie, but I have played nine holes with, with mine on. I haven't played a full round, but in that nine holes, I had it up to like my, uh, my resting heart, heart rate. It was, sorry. It was my maximum heart rate was, it was over three times my resting heart rate. What's your resting heart rate? So it's like 50. I'll look at the round. This like 50, 52. And that, mine was up at like 160. Okay. 160. No, okay, yeah, that's true. So I, I mean, I had it this week. It was a hilly golf course. I think my resting heart rate is like somewhere in the 60s, like 62 or 65, I can't remember. And my average heart rate was 116. So probably double close to it. And then max heart rate was 168. And that's 1,500 yeah. count. That's yeah. the only... It'll, it'll, I think it, what this shows, like the whoop, what it shows more than anything is just, it's a lot more energy than you think. You need to have like the nutrition while you're out there and you need to have the rest going up. I mean, then you remember when we were a silly in college, just thinking, well, I didn't play well this day and I had a good night's rest. So why don't we try it with like going out and drinking? Well, to be honest, I mean, I think the only way to deal with the way that we played golf back in college, it was drinking. I don't think any amount of practice would have would have helped us, to, to, to be honest. Um, it is, the superstitions can be funny, though. Yeah. Like, the superstitions of, I'm going to do this before a rounder, and this is going to have, like, a great effect on it. Like, it's, yeah, no. It doesn't. And I, and I think, but again, obviously now we've, we've kind of figured out what what goes into a round of golf. You know, rest... It's just so, so important. And, you know, I mean, guys, like professionals that are going to play events, you know, go and look at the golf courses that you're playing or, or at least, you know, have a, have a browse online and, and look at the course guides and stuff and, and phone phone the professional or phone people that, you you know, if you know someone who's a member at the course or, or whatever and, and just pick their brain on kind of what what you're going to need. What shots do you need to play the most of? If it's a short, tight golf course, you're probably not going to be working too much on your driver, but you'll want to have a shot that you can hit with a three iron or a two iron or whatever off, off the tee to get the ball in play. You're probably going to have a lot of wedges. So that should be where the majority of your practice would be running up to that event. You also want to try and prepare your body as best you can. So, you know, lying on the sofa for four or five hours a night probably isn't going to put you in the best position to, to go and move the next day. So no, you to go out and have to go for a 30, 45 minute walk, go for a walk, do some like light yoga, some stretching, some, some like some recovery movement patterns. Yeah. Uh, you know, that sort of stuff. I think that that is, crucial and that's something that we never did i mean mate you know me a few years ago or even two years ago we'd be at tournaments and 
if I had a, an afternoon tea time or a lunchtime tea time, I'd be on the range at eight o'clock and I'd have a two hour session. Then I'd go and have an hour session before I went and played. And then I'd have another hour session after the round. And then, and then I'd sort of phone my physio and say, oh man, why am I injured again? <laughs> what? It's my movement. Yeah, it's, it's, it's my movement. movement. Yeah, it's, it's my swing. My swing's causing the injuries, not just the sheer amount of, of load that my body's going through. And I don't think any of us really realise how much load there is involved in a golf swing. Yeah, you're, you're not supposed to be tilted and twisting around your spine like that, I don't think. As much fun as it is, and, like, that's, yeah. Don't get me wrong, like, a poor movement will lead to more injuries, especially with the more repetition and whatnot, yeah. for sure. But, yeah, I mean, if you're overdoing it like that, and, I, and you know, we've both been guilty there, up at night in a hotel room, doing stuff instead of resting, trying to do swing work to figure it out, having huge sessions before and afterwards. Like the first thing you want to do when you get done around a golf is go eat. Well, go and eat, go stretch, go go yeah. cool down, you know, and get your recovery started straight away. And the yeah. problem is, and again, it's it's not so much a problem. It's, it's kind of the culture and it's the way that it is. But I mean, most amateur golfers, you finish around a golf, you're straight in the bar and you, you throw in, you know, four or five pints down your neck and and you're eating some let's let's call it not healthy food. And you're just sitting down in a chair. Now yeah. that's that's fine. Like it's dude, it's fun. We know it's fun. Uh, and and I'm sure everyone that does it will say, Yeah, but it is fun. But I'll tell you what's not fun, and that's not being able to swing without being in pain or not being able to stand up straight or, or whatever it is, not being able to walk without hobbling because you've just neglected your body a little bit. And, and this is something that we'll get into, you know, we'll, we'll get the experts on about this. Uh, you know, it's, it's a little bit sort of out of our depth to, to discuss it thoroughly. But I just think that the rest and recovery certainly from my experience anyway, and, and I know yours to some extent, it's just been so overlooked. Yeah. And it, yeah. We, all, think... we almost live in, sorry, just, just carry on and finish with this one, but it's almost like remnants of, of the culture that we're in. Like you must do more. You've, you've got to work hard, work harder. Whoever you're competing against, you need to work harder than they, they do. And it just doesn't, doesn't get you anywhere because you're exhausted your body's just so fatigued you're mentally fatigued what 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 good work are you putting in you're not learning anything you're not getting better you're just putting yourself in a worse position for tomorrow well i think getting back to having that healthy relationship with something you know for the two of us you know not say obviously making money playing and whatnot you know you really shouldn't be harming your body long term to go out and play and like have fun and enjoy it. Right. That's, that's definitely not a healthy relationship and what's it obviously you got to figure out what's enough and whatnot, but yeah, I think that that mentality of continuously just, yeah, find it in the dirt. It's pretty long overdue. I mean, don't get me wrong. Like you still have to put in work and, and whatnot to get better. Hey, you have but, to put in a lot of work. Yeah. Yeah, you do. But you also, I think being able to, as the kind of whole premise of this episode is starting with something and figuring out where you're at and then, and then 
slowly getting better. You know, if you go and you hit balls for say two hours a week and you say, I want to get better. So I'm going to go out and hit six hours of golf balls this next week, but you're doing the exact same stuff that you did prior. You're only spending more time. You're probably not really going to get a better result versus figuring out a plan using the time that you do have with, with the game and moving forward in a slow progression and you can do it. You can like change is just going to take time, right? Whether you're working on a swing thing, putting, holding out, pitching, decision-making while you're out there, all the stuff that you can quantify it just takes a little bit of time, but yeah, you got to put in work, but it's got to be, got to be sensible as well. It's got to be the right work. And I mean, you know, there's uh, I suppose you really call it leverage in the fact that don't, don't, Stop quoting pirates, please. Um, just, just, just finish the quote. You, you, no, you, I'm, you not gonna do it. I'm not going to do. I'm not going to do. But it's, it's, it's all a matter of leverage. Now people are curious. Yeah, <laughs> um, but no. So it's at the end of the day, if, if you're putting in a stock two hours, and you're you and someone else are putting in, or you and another version of you, let's keep it as close as we can are putting in two hours of work every day. But one of you is just continually hitting six irons off of maths to, you know, another target, or the same target, and you're just working on your technique because your technique needs work versus the other you that completely varies their practice. You might do one hour of six irons working on your technique, but to multiple targets, then you might go and do 30 minutes of wedges and 30 minutes of holding out, but you're playing games and you're keeping track of what that is. And then, like you say, over time, everything like investments, uh, monetary investments, like businesses, performance on the golf course, performance in anything, over time, you will see growth, like strength in the gym. You're not going to go in the gym week one and then say, right, by next week, I want to be squatting 200 kilograms. It's not going to happen. Yeah. And even from a load management perspective, you work out once a week and you like the New Year's resolution. I want to work out five days a week, but you've only for the last six months done one day a week. And now all of a sudden, I mean, you, you think about it, why people stop stuff, right? I'm going to go out and do five days a week. This is my new thing. And then as we've talked about earlier, what it taking from other parts of your life and and funneling it here what have you said no to there and you can see why a lot of people would struggle to like keep like those resolutions or like those habits versus just a little bit it just be a little bit better right yeah people don't and we're all guilty of it we try to go from zero to a hundred but we're skipping like one to 99 yeah it doesn't work you just go from zero to one and then and then figure it out and then go from you know so on and so forth and just do it incrementally but you need the foundations don't you You need to build the foundations before you can start to really see improvement because ultimately i mean we're all familiar with the the fable of the the house built on stand and the, the house built on stone uh but ultimately that's what it is if, if your foundations are crap then you've got no base to to fall back on when things don't go well yeah um so i think that's that's quite a, an interesting thing but yeah you've just got to be you've got to have patience and, and again it all boils back down to having 
reliable, quantifiable feedback, not only from yourself, but from your coach as well. And, and I think you have to work together on it so that it can benefit you. Yeah. Because you're not the same as, as the other guy that, you know, the, the coach just saw. We're all different. Yeah. So last one we'll finish off with. Um, I think it's a good kind of place where we're at right now with this this podcast series, whatever. If you could, if you've taken one thing from the last, you know, now six weeks, and if you were going to apply it to your life, or even what you think is just as far as a lesson goes, what would be that one thing that you picked oh, up? Oh man. I'm going to go a little left field on this one. And I'm going to say it's remarkable the generosity of people. You know, we've been incredibly lucky to have the guests that we've had on. You know, they've given up an hour, an hour and a half, two hours of their time to, to sit down and talk to us and, and try and help bring knowledge, information and, and, and a bit more sort of enjoyment to to the lives and, and the golfing uh, golfing journeys of, of the listeners. And I just think that I would encourage people to just say, okay, firstly, who who is it that you can help today? And who is it that you want to connect with? Who do you think you could really learn something from? And just try and connect with them because people are, are very, very generous with their time if there's a purpose to it, yeah. I think that, that's kind of what I've learned. And I, I think it's moving forwards for us. I, I just think that's, that's been huge, you know, and I, I, I think we're both incredibly grateful that, that we've got people like that, that we can turn to, but I think everyone has, but we just don't realize that. I agree with you, man. I, I honestly, I don't think it's out of my field. I think that that's the one thing you can take from, from this last little bit of time is just, you know, how how generous people can be and how willing they are to, to just help. Yeah. And, help An idea or something that they like to talk about. I think that that's why we we part. Well, there's a lot of reasons why we've done this, but I think one of the, one of the main ones is we enjoy talking about golf and a little bit of the philosophy behind things and the psychology. And I think, you know, coming in the future, people will definitely see a little bit more of that, that recovery how to like really take care of your body while you're doing this and yeah i look forward to it for sure oh 100 mate and and i think as well i just one one other thing that i've sort of taken from it is to, to no no two people are the same you know oh, yeah. we're all we're all on different paths and we can all help each other along but you know really it's important that you just try and create some self-awareness and try and figure it out for yourself yeah, it's sure. never it's never the finished article ever. You've just you've just always I think creating the habit of always kind of just just looking at it. You know, do, we don't want to be rigid, and you don't want to. You know, everything has to be better. You know, you need to balance it with with relaxation and, and enjoyment. But the things that you do want to improve on, just make sure that you. You're constantly evaluating, looking at it, and, and quantifying it as much as possible, because that really is how you will get better. As I say in Paris, agreed. Agreed. Uh, yeah, it's 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 difficult. 
No, it's we. No one wants to feel as though they're not good at something. But the only way to really get good at something is to realise that you ain't that good. I mean, mate, we remember when we watched our first podcast back, and I'm not, I'm not sure that we've improved much. Other, <laughs> you know, I don't know, but it, it was hard to watch, man. Like, you know, because you start picking up on things that we could have, we could have convinced ourselves, oh, that was brilliant. We were really good, but then that's just an, again, it's an emotion. I think we knew from the start it was trash, but for whatever reason, we keep doing it. So whatever. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's good. That's all good. But yeah, no, um, I guess we'll just finish off by saying thanks to anyone that did listen and dealt with us for an extended period of time. And, you know, we will see you next time. Yeah. Take care.